What is up, everyone? Uh, welcome to another episode or episode <laughs> episode of the Just Jacks Golf Podcast. Um, let's get right to it. I'm your host Mitchell Forbes, joined weekly by the CEO of Falling, Sam Keston. Sam, Arnold Palmer Invitational did not disappoint. One epic tournament at Bay Hill. Thoughts, reactions, shoot me. It's another fun golf course for a PGA Tour event, especially when it plays the way it played on Sunday. A little, a lot of wind, firm greens. Uh, you know, a lot of water around the golf course. Yeah. I think it was, it was a good battle, and uh, a, a lot of different, a lot of different directions to go. I mean, uh, first off, I, I don't. I'll be the first one to say it. I don't seem to to understand Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> like, I, I would have thought, especially given where his driver was at the last couple of weeks. I would have thought that Bay Hill would not have been a great golf course for him. I would have thought that you can't miss that many fairways around that place, especially when the greens are firm and have success. But I would have said the same thing about Wingfoot too, you know, and I would have said that you can't drive the ball like that and still have success. You know, I think uh, DeChambeau drove the ball better, you know, but still not great. You know, I wouldn't say he played from the fairway all day. I would be, I would be pretty surprised if he hit more fairways than Lee Westwood did. I don't think he did. Uh, you know, I, I just—it's I, I, hard for me to get a pulse on on Deshambo's game. It seems like it suits places I never would have thought it, it does. Uh, you know, he has success places I never necessarily thought he would. But I mean, it was uh, it was a pretty impressive win. You know, I think uh, obviously those drives on six were a lot of fun. Uh, Lee Westwood was a tremendous disappointment. So was Jordan Spieth. Those are the two guys I was pulling for. Uh, obviously, Westwood getting like a, a PGA Tour win this late in his career would have been such a great story. Spieth getting his comeback win, you know, that he's been knocking on the door for the last few weeks, that would have been a great story. Rory would have been a great story. I mean, you know, where where do you want to start <laughs> out, of, out of those kind of four storylines? Yeah, man. I mean, just personally from the reaction, like my, my personal reaction, I fucking love that event. I think in terms of a finish, like we had a, we had a proper duel for a good... Six to eight holes. It was pretty clear it was going to be a two-horse race when you saw there was no there was no one going under par for those last four holes, man. Um, so you you could pretty much tell that, no at that point, having looked at the previous previous players on the day, that um, it wasn't playing easy. What I really respect and loved about Bay Hill this year more than ever, even though it, it plays like this most years, but I only just really recognised this year was it gets progressively harder throughout the week. So it almost lulls players into a false sense of security, and then. It's quite receptive on Thursday, and then as the days goes on, especially when the wind picks up, it gets firmer, quicker, harder, um, and it's an absolute joy to watch a golf tournament where thirteen under par was it? Who what won the eleven under, 11 under par wins? Um, yeah. It was it was epic. That's 11, that's eleven under par on a golf course that's a par seventy two, where most of the I mean, you know, pretty much all the par fives, at least most of the days, depending on the wind, are reachable. You know, so so for eleven under par to win on a golf course that's a par seventy two, that's definitely you know that that's a uh, you know two seventy seven is a, is a score that you know is going to come in you know probably in the ten highest aggregate totals for regular PGA Tour events this season for sure. Yeah, man, it was it was it was it was, it was a whole lot of fun. Um, I'm not really sure where to start, but I think it's got to be first of all this week is the week that I really noticed the fans, and I think everyone did. And it was noticeably different, right? The energy of the tournament was noticeably bigger, better, all round than than what we've seen previously. Um, and what look, we 
Bryson splits opinion, and I, I've sat on both sides of the, of the fence with Bryson. I've been his biggest supporter, championing change, and I've also been the other side where he sets himself up for failure sometimes with the way he talks, and you know he's got, he's got some annoying characteristics, shall we say, in his slow play, etc. So I've also been a critic of his. But what I will say is he, it's clear that you know we've actually this is the first time we're able to see fan reaction since Bryson's um, uh, evolution, shall we call it, transformation. And it's quite clear that he's brought a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of buzz, and a lot of fandom to our sport. So I, I think, first off, I need to recognise and give him plaudits for that because watching him, even on the sixth tee, it was like watching a long drive contest. Like, everyone was going crazy. He was celebrating. Like, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And I loved, I really, I got a huge kick out of after Bryson hit, Lee Westwood hits one like, 290 <laughs> down the same part of the fairway and gives it like the 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 sarcastic double fist pump yeah. uh, i thought that was funny no, that, that, that was classy that was... That, that, that was good and they, and they both walked off the hole with the same score incidentally um yeah. so like it, it, it again I, I don't get bryson either in the fact that yes being able to drive the ball that distance quite clearly does give an advantage but golf's a game that remains a game that can be played in many different ways um and, you know, the six being the example, I think there was about 160 yards difference between Bryson and Lee Westwood's ball, obviously with that corner. And they both walk off there with the with the same score. But you've also got to commend Bryson for his fucking putting, man. He, he rolled the ball beautifully on that last day. Say what you want about his green books and his, and his, and his, and his anchored putter. Um, he rolled it beautifully and holds some really impressive putts. No more so than that last put of the day to win the golf tournament. And I think it showed what a sort of steely an experienced competitor Lee Westwood is, right? You know, he, he had the horrible break on 18 when, it, when the ball rolled into the divot. Um, he, he doesn't get try and get too fancy. He just muscles one into the heart of the green, um, gets one down, you know, gets it down into knowing how quick that green is and puts the pressure on Bryson to go there and win it. And I love seeing that. I think a lot of the young players can, can take a lot from Lee Westwood. There's a lot to be said um, in golf from just actually staying there. And that's something that Tiger Woods has done so beautifully throughout his career is just staying there, right, and not not faltering. Um, other performances, I was pissed off with Roy McIlroy. I mean, taking five off the tee on six. I know you, I know you got to chase it right, but the thing is, eleven under one. I know four under would have been a hell of a round given the conditions, but you've got to think. Like, I don't know why Roy McIlroy was taking on that same line. He, like, ugh, I, that seemed to be a mismanagement of his emotions in 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 the moment having said that he then goes and this is a mark of Roy McIlroy and this is why it's frustrating me at the moment he goes and eagles the hole from his from his third tee shot where he hits that incredible well sixth shot um to about two or three feet and then taps it in um for for was it for a triple he saved um double best but, double ever best, best, <laughs> yeah best double ever um and, and that's a big part of why it's frustrating me at the moment it's just the timing of what he does doesn't seem to be in sync um Jordan Spieth, I'm not as frustrated with because I think it was another excellent performance, another top five finish. He didn't, he didn't get it done, but he had to chase the tournament on a very hard uh, last day. Those last four or five holes are, are, are playing tough. He holds some incredible putts. He had that feeling about him all week where he stood over the ball and he knew he could scare the hole with every putt, no matter how far. 80 foot, fine. I, he's got a chance to hold this. Um, I thought he drove the ball a lot better. He's found that like little squeezy cut off the off the tee, which seemed to work well from all week. He obviously brought that incredible hole in one. Um, a very exciting round he brought on Saturday. So I feel like Spieth's aura, charisma, and overall games really starting to get to those old levels. And it wouldn't surprise me if he peaked for the Masters. And he's he's an early pick of mine for the for, for Augusta. Uh, I think he's trending in the right direction. He's getting comfortable with the top. 
Augusta's a golf course obviously went up before and had no other noticeable really solid performances over the five or six tournaments he's played there so he's an early pick but biggest takeaway from that week was fair play Bryson love how Westwood's still on top of his game going to hit the Ryder Cup still don't forget his race to Dubai champion he's got another five years left at the top if he keeps going um, shame not to see him win it would have been cool to see a 47 year old win on the PJ Tour um, wasn't to be this week but I think he'll contend again and I and again it gives me confidence that he'll actually go ahead and get a major before he's done he's, he's not done yet um is driving off the t off, uh, is driving just in general his his play off the tee is some of the best you'll ever see so controlled um and Rory McIlroy in a, another nearly week um but he's gonna have to sort out whatever that is that's blocking him from from closing these tournaments out yeah I mean I got I was talking to my buddy about this yesterday uh that it's amazing how frequently uh, when I look on Sunday at the leaderboard at the top 10 spots or whatever, that Rory's in there having the worst round among the leaders. Yeah. You know, like for a guy that's as good as he is, it's an amazing frequency at which it's a Sunday. You're looking at who, who's got a chance to win and how are they playing and through, you know, six, eight, nine, you know, holes or whatever, that the worst of the bunch turns out to be Rory. It happens a lot, you know, and, and for a guy that's that good, you know, I, I I don't know what to what sense to make of that. You know, I get the impression that, you know, and and you could argue like Ryder Cups might argue against this, and obviously he's like won an a you know a fair amount of time, so like it's not like he he's not a winner and not a closer. He does win and he does close, you know. But I just don't think he's as a uh... Tiger. You got the sense Tiger got better the more intense the situation got. Yeah. That it was almost like the heavier the pressure, the more it focused him, you know, and, and, and it made him better. I don't feel like it makes Rory better. I feel like it makes Rory worse. Like, I don't know if he tries too hard or whatever the case may be, but the, the recurring theme for me with him is like the golf, this guy can play when the pressure's off is amazing, you know, and, and he's good enough that like, sometimes he can just blow by the field and not really get himself into a spot that's like too pressure packed. But like, you know when he's when he's sniffing around and he's got a chance, but he's not running away with it. He doesn't seem to step up that much in those moments, you know. And so I, I think part of the story for why we haven't seen him win a major championship in five or six years is that when that pressure is up, it's not getting the best out of him. It, it's it's more often than not, you know, sending his performance the other way. Uh, as far as like Lee Westwood goes, I thought that was an amazing week, you know, and, and I thought that was the kind of golf course that that enables a style like his you know that he was kind of plotting his way around you know like playing the angles that the golf course you know presented somebody who hit it his length taking on the flags that he could you know playing in the middle of the green when he had to you know from distance and things like that you know and so i think uh he's a guy that like at the open championship at st george's is a, is a guy i might not sleep on St. George's gave us that one for Darren Clark however many years ago, I think 10 years ago now. Uh, I, w I wouldn't be shocked to see, see them give it to us with Westwood. But as we talk about on this podcast all the time, uh, at the end of the day on Sunday, if you want to win, there are big putts you have to make. And generally the guy that makes them is going to beat the guy that doesn't. You know, and, and DeChambeau made the big putts. I can't think of one big putt he missed, and I can think of a few bonus ones he hold. Like on uh, – I want to say it was maybe 11 where he hit it short, right in the right green side bunker. And then he did his little tirade about how Bay Hill is the worst. Oh, yeah, bunkers on tour, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, like like he's aware that there are cameras and that the, and audio and like that they're going to pick that up. He's not stupid, you know. And so I don't think like as a guy who has a chance to win the tournament, shitting all over the bunkers, you know, at the golf courses, a, a particular like, you know, for all for all the sunshine and puppy dogs, he blew up our ass in the interview about yeah. Mr. Palmer. You know how would how would Mr. Palmer have felt listening to Mr. DeChambeau trash his bunkers? You know, like it, it kind of had like a. Uh, did you ever see the movie Tin Cup? Uh, yes, I did. I watched it. You know the you know the scene where David Sims is doing the interview and he's talking about how the game is about honor and loyalty and integrity, and then he gets off camera and he goes in the back and he's like shitting all over the kid and the and the old people and the dog and whatever. That was the vibe <laughs> I got from that. It was like oh. Yeah. So when DeChambeau thinks the cameras aren't paying attention, he's an asshole about the maintenance of the golf course and whatever else, you know. But then, oh, when the cameras are on, it's Mr. Palmer this and Mr. Palmer that. Oh, know, it's, like, it's 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 it was very shoot McGavin esque, wasn't it? Uh, very sort of. Yeah. Um, it was a bit too a bit too um, coordinated. Probably not the right word. I don't know. A bit like you know, a, a bit a bit sugar coated because it, you shouldn't. You came across. Yeah, you actually shut the bunkers twice in that closing stretch. It wasn't just the once; it was twice. And he, 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 my my argument would be, don't fucking find them then. Like, you know, no yes, kidding. yes, there was a lot of sand in them. Well, but you know what? the lie is great on the green. Yeah, the, the, men, the, the, the meant to be penal. The the, the fact is, they're firm greens that, that that have a lot of sloping. And if you're more likely to have a plug line or a heavy line in the bunker, guess what? It's harder to control the spin on the ball, which, which is which is the fucking point. Um, so like. Yeah. A tough bunker, like you know, a lot of sand in the bunkers. Cool. I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily mind that. The only criticism I would have had, what well, I would have with Bay Hill, I think, is on ten. It's dog leg right, but the but the fairway cambers right to left. So even a cut doesn't keep the ball in the fairway. We saw like I, I, I don't know how the, the players were meant to keep the ball in the fairway there. Every ball was hitting the left. Was it ten? Are you thinking fifteen? I think I know the hole you're talking about. It's yeah, the, I th- it's actually, I think it's dog- later on. I think it is 15. Yeah, it, it's it's like it's, it's like a the dog leg, hard dog leg right where it looked like DeChambeau took a crazy line, but even yes. that was still. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a hard tee shot, you know. And I think, I think part of I think the equipment plays a role in the difficulty of that tee shot. That like uh, in the old days, they would say just hit like a spinning cut up against that slope so that the cut moves the way the hole moves you know and that you have to put more curb on it but today's like drivers and balls are not designed to curve they're designed to curve less not more and so i think people just don't like you know like bubba's a a, a lefty who loves to hit a, a cut so his ball would be moving the other way but i mean like for you know for you and me like or freddie couples like i bet i bet couples in the 90s with a balada ball that you could really make curves so that it would be going up the length of the hole. You know, like you just don't see guys like that's not that's not a, 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 a like a big piece of driving the ball in the eighties and nineties was can you make the ball curve with the with the slope of the fairway and the and the shape of the hole yeah. so that you were widening the fairway to its maximum possible length. Now so much of the focus is on like distance and carry and spin and speed, you know, and getting the ball running and everything else that like. I think we've lost a little bit kind of that shot making component of doing what you have to do in order to maximize the fairway width for you. I thought that was an example of that. But I, I do agree with you. That was, I mean, that was a hard tee shot. Uh, I, I don't think like 
for all of DeChambeau's complaints, I'd like to see more plug lies in the bunkers. Like, I, I don't think hitting it in the bunkers should be, like, the place you're rooting to hit it a lot of the time. And I that, think that, whereas that is whereas you're right in the fact that you're like that, that that tends to be the uh the the miss that the players go for is for bunker misses right like you know most most players on 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 tour are um are more than confident out of the bunker as long as they're not short side themselves the majority of them would expect to get up and down from wherever they are in the bunker and I think that's the and I think that's not a shame because cool we all like seeing good bunker shots but you're right in that yeah I want to see more people get fucked over in the bunker like it, it's not meant to be a friendly place. You know, you you go you go with open championship. Exactly. You know, it's one of my favorite things that if you hit it in a bunker, it's a fucking wheel spin on whether you have a chance or not. You know, and you might end up fucked up against the side or whatever. You know, and like some of those things do come down to luck, but you also make your own luck in terms of hitting it in the bunker in the first place. You know, like if you put yourself at risk of having something bad happen to you, sometimes it will. You know, and so I I didn't uh, I, I I I've I found that to be distasteful from Bryson and it made that performance he put on in the interview a bit of an eye roll to me, yeah. you know, because I think, I think Palmer would have, uh, you know, would have been disgusted listening to that and it would have, it would have soured. I think, I think Arnie wouldn't have forgotten that. I think Arnie yeah. would have known, you know, would have had a, had a uh, adverse reaction to that. You know, Westwood, if he just, that three putt at what was it fourteen or thirteen? Yeah, he, had, he was front for bird. Was he was on the front. He missed a putt for green. And, right, he he was on the front edge of the green, and he had like a thirty-five footer. And Azinger gave it like the Westwood speed has been beautiful all day, and then he left it like ten feet short and missed that, and then he missed that birdie putt at the par five. He loses by one. You know, two it's the difference between losing by one and winning by one. Yeah, I mean, but having having said that, I did think Lee Westwood did put well all day. I thought I thought he put it pretty well. Like you look at the save on seventeen, that was that was really impressive. Just off the green, he left himself short yeah. in the bunker. Uh, tough, but he, he was plugged in the bunker a little bit. He hacked it out, spun a little bit off the green, then holds a clutch fifteen footer from just off the green, a bit of left to right to to keep in it. Like that showed nerves of steel, and to, just to get down in two from his position on eighteen was impressive as well. So, yeah, that was a short put miss, but I think in general he did put all right. He just didn't make any lot really long ones. Like, like actually, he did he made one real long one up the hill? That was fucking epic to see. But apart from that, I can't really think of any long putts he hold. Whereas Bryson got those two those two bombs in there. Uh, and that par save being being the big one after the complaint in the bunker. Um, but it was it was really fun, Sam, to see like a to see a, a finishing stretch on a PGA Tour event that felt like a major championship, it felt like a Stenson Mickelson, right? Two players in it, um, almost like a match play type scenario with severe risk and reward holds, high winds and firm greens and a crowd. It was fucking, I, I, I was engrossed in the golf yesterday. And I was like, yes, thank, like, thank fuck for this. Like, I can't wait for the players this week, man. Um, I think it's a, it's a who's who, of course, line up for the players, arguably, a bigger tournament than PJ, the PJ Championship, even, um, and it seems to be getting bigger each year. And I guess the most notable news before we go into picks is that Brooks Kepka will not be taking part. Just when you think he was, uh, 
you know, he was um, he was putting some uh, putting some you know some form together. He um, his knee plays up again. Yeah, I was surprised by that because I, you know, especially because he'd kind of given us the story about how he's a hundred percent and he's back to feeling better and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, to see him pull out with injury, I was a little I was a little surprised by that. Knees are difficult uh, things, though. Knees with, with with the especially when you so much talk and turn through the ball, like it doesn't take much for for something like that to flare up again. And it might, it might, look, it might not be anything major, but we all know the guy plays for majors, and you just want maybe just want to risk anything going into the Masters. Yeah, and you also, uh, yeah, that that certainly could be true. And also, like you never really know what the story <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, maybe his missus got another fucking audition that he needs to take it to or something. Yeah, you just don't know. You know, it, yeah. it, it could easily be. Uh, you know, I'll I'll be if he shows up next week or whatever, I'll be a little skeptical of of that injury being a big deal. He, he uh, lives in he's a Florida resident as well, right? I don't know. That I think sounds he plays right, at the Floridian. I, I think he plays at the Floridian. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be or surprised. Bears by Club. Could be. Could be. Um, but yeah, look, it's a it's a star-studded lineup. I can't wait for the players. Obviously, it's a it's a particularly, I guess, um, memorable event last year, right? Because of course, it was the first PGA Tour event that was cancelled. I think it was was it on the Friday. It was cancelled. It was after the first round. I think it was after the first round, right? And I think. Uh... You know, for a lot of for a lot of people, this is like the week that marks the one year of of COVID. Like, pretty much the whole world shut down this week, a year ago. It's amazing to think that it's been that long, you know, and that our lives have been so different for for that stretch of time. You know, that at the time, I mean, if you if you had talked to me th- at this time last year, I would have said like this was a thing that lasted maybe a month, you know, or <laughs> or a month and a half. Like at that time, that was what my you know, but then as time went on, you started realizing like, oh fuck, like this this could take fucking forever to to, to eradicate, and like, you know, it's just been such a. Uh, I mean, it's going to be the thing that when we're when we're eighty years old, like, I don't know that we're going to look back on a stranger time in our lives than this. No, so it's kind of, it's kind of a nostalgic week to think back about how much the world has changed in a year. Yeah, it's also quite I think a positive week in the fact that. We're a year ahead, but we're back, um, and there's a there's a sort of a route ahead, right? The the UK's sort of vaccination program's going extremely well. Not too clued up on the US, but I understand things are opening up. Florida doesn't seem to give a shit, um, you know. So you, you've got, you've got certain pockets of the US seemingly uh, seemingly opening up and, um, and and coming out of sort of certain restrictions. Um, so it's it's positive to see. And I think another thing that needs to be mentioned is it's incredible how it's been a year since. Since since the world sort of shut down and since the the players was cancelled, but isn't it also amazing to think just how long the tour's been restarted for already? I think the tour was came back in June. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I think I think that deserves plaudits. I think the PGA Tour deserves plaudits for that for bringing it back probably sooner than most sport more sports than I can. I think the UFC perhaps, but the UFC and golf seem to be leading the way in terms of playing throughout this whole time. So fair play to them because without that sort of level of courageousness, I guess, and um, inability to, to make things work logistically, who the fuck knows what kind of state the PJ Tour would be in um, at this moment. So just thankful that there's fans coming back and we've got, the, we've got a, you know, a star-studded PJ uh, Players' Championship to look forward to. 
Yeah, and, and you want to talk about fun golf courses, TPC Sawgrass. Fuck yes. This is definitely a fun one. Fuck yes. I'll say this. I played, I played it for the first time and only time I've ever played it, uh, maybe like two years ago, and it was mm-hmm. in November. It had just rained. Uh, and I remember thinking going into it, I, I thought that the golf course was going to be really hard going into it. And I guess it was when it was soft, I didn't think it was that I, I didn't get the impression that it was that hard. Did you hard. play off the tips? No. But, I mean, still, given the yeah. length I hit the ball, I don't think the clubs I was playing into the greens were dissimilar. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Like, I, I would imagine that from the tees I played, the experience I had was, was relatively similar, you know, in terms of, like, what clubs I'm hitting into the greens and, and whatnot that, uh, you know, I just – I felt like uh, – I felt like if it was if it's soft, it's gettable. If it's firm, I could see how it's hard. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. Um, I, I I can't fucking wait for this. Um, I think it's a particularly big tournament for one man, uh, and one man in particular. And look, I, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. It's a, it's a huge week for Roy McIlroy. Um, he um he, he's the defending champion still, of course. Um, but like that, that he, he needs to get he needs to put a win together. It's sooner or later. I, I, you, you got to think like you, this. This this barren run on the regular tour schedule can't go too long when he keep when he puts himself in the position that much. Because otherwise, I, I just don't. I, I don't know. I'm I'm nervous. I'm I'm nervous because I'm I'm a big fan of Rory. Um, I think he's the most talented person on tour. But I think this is a, this is a huge statement week for him. If he wants to, if he wants to like, there's just so much competition now, and so much rich competition in terms of winners, right? Not just like competitive golfers like there's winners coming through the ranks you got like you get pushed aside pretty quickly um we've seen that with the likes of ricky Fowler and, and jordan spieth um i don't think that'll happen at rory i do think rory will get the win but um you've got to think in rory's head like he needs to get up for this week like this this is a fucking big week for him I, i'm really rooting for him I'm, I'm i'm gonna pick him again um he's my pick again i, I want to do this every week somewhere we, where we both pick our winner for the event um I think it's a tough pick. The players, right? You've got it, it, you've got the world's best competing there. Obviously, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of amazing. It's a who's who. Like you can literally pick one of twelve players. I think have got a chance to win this thing. Um, but just based on what I've seen, bear that way. Rory had a very good putting week. I thought for the most part last week. He, he, the, the commentators made a made a point of him being stood more upright on the ball, and he was making a lot more of those nasty five footers for par than than he has done previously, and that was encouraging to see that combined with his good driving hitting the ball close with his approach play then you got to think he's going to be a factor um but we just haven't seen it for four rounds that remains to be the question but i have faith i'm going to i'm going to keep sticking with rory um he's obviously a florida resident plays well in those courses he's the defending champion um if there's any tournament for Rory to win to make a statement to get back in the you know to get back in um on the level of, of dustin johnson and co then I, I think it's this week yeah i'll say this uh one area of McElroy's game that concerns me is short irons and wedges that for a guy that hits the ball as long, you know, and, and if you look at some of the guys who, who have played at a super high level throughout history, the guys like Tiger or a DJ would be another example. Yeah. Those are guys that early in their careers were not great wedge players and they did not have the, the bulk of their success until they dialed in that part of their game. You know, like with Tiger, it, it was, you know, the late 90s, kind of before before the 2000s, where, you know, his wedge play, I mean, in, in the 99 U.S. Open, it single-handedly cost him that tournament, you know, that, that he would have pitching wedges into greens, and he could not dial in the distance, you know, that he, he, he was 
so geared towards hitting the ball a long way that when hitting the ball the correct number became you know of a premium his swing wasn't quite as built for that then you started seeing him spend some time with butch and working on that and then you saw what you saw in 2000 2001 and what came from there you know and in the end he you know he turns out to be one of the best like iron short iron wedge players ever you know as far as like being able to make birdies off of those drives. So if Rory's going to really get the most out of his driving as a weapon, I think he's going to have to be, he's going to have to take strides forward as far as his ability to hit wedge shots close. You know, that that if you're going to drive the ball like that, you're going to give yourself birdie opportunities. You have to take advantage. You can't be as good with a wedge as other guys are with their eight iron, you know, because you're going to erode that advantage that you created for yourself by driving at that. So yeah. I, I, I do think, I mean, that's not that's not necessarily just a this week problem, but in looking at why does Rory not win more, I might say that 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 might that could be a part of the story there is that he just doesn't take advantage of those scoring opportunities, and it's momentum killing. It's like, you that's, know, that, in, that's, in the, ho- that's why I think the point is, yeah, it's like in hockey, uh, you know, when the other team takes penalties, you go on the power play, so you have an extra guy for two minutes. When you don't score or you don't create chances on the power play even though it's like you're not losing ground, you're not giving up goals, you're not gaining it when you know you should be gaining it. You know, and so I, I think sometimes with Rory, it's a little deflating when he has those wedge shots and he doesn't do much with it. He hits it 30, 40 feet. You know, he hits a lot of mediocre wedges that, you know, you have to imagine in his mind he's thinking 125 yards out, like this is a birdie opportunity. This can get me up the leaderboard, you know, and that when you don't do it, it's it's aggravating. So I but I mean, he's you know, if if we're taking the big picture focus and making it small on this week and saying how do we think he's going to perform this week, the guy's won at the golf course before. Obviously, the four par fives play play into his hands. I also think uh, hitting the ball right to left, to my mind, is a help there. Generally, uh, there are some holes like sixteen, the par five, where being able to hook it puts you in good stead. Eighteen is one of the toughest tee shots on the golf course. Being able to turn the ball right to left there serves you in good stead. Uh, Ten, I think, being able to turn it right to left helps a lot. The second shot in a nine, there, you know, there's a lot of things about that golf course that suit him. I expect him to have a good week. I was just looking at the weather. The winning score to me is is an interesting piece of the equation here because I think it kind of changes who who, like, what player archetypes do you think have a great chance to win? Is it going to be the firm and fast? You know, that we've seen some years where, you know, four, six, eight under is a good score, or is it going to be softer where, you know, 12, 14, where people can make the birdies? Uh, I think DJ's kind of gone the wrong way. I like your pick, Rory, but we've just been playing follow the leader, you and I, for a while now. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I will say this to give you some time, I guess, uh, to calibrate your thoughts. I can tell you, 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 you're hovering over a few people in your mind. Um, I, I do think this. I think if there's a if there's a one golf course to actually expose a player's inability to play under pressure, it's it's TPC Sawgrass, right? Especially cl- closing stretch, 17-18. We'll get a good picture where Roy's heads up by the amount of balls he's, he, he manages to put in the water this week because. Um, you know that on six, I was like, I was, I was almost angry. I was like, that's almost like a real amateur mistake to put the ball in the fucking water when you can decide the line yourself on that par five that you don't need to, you don't need to do what you did, and you did it twice. And I'm like, that's a fucking, that, that's a mental error, and you can't make those errors um, down the stretch at TPC Sawgrass. Even even on sixteen, you can't. Mm-hmm. You're still in danger. 
but particularly on 17-18. And um, it'll be interesting to see how, how he plays those holes. And I'd, I'd like to see him take three wood more. He's a, he's a brilliant he's a brilliant player with with those woods. Um, I wonder if he, if, he, if he takes out the three wood on, on, on 18, lays back a little bit, but puts it firmly in the fairway. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But I think... I think this will be a telling week of where Roy's head's at because I, I, I can't doubt that he's going to play good golf. He's going to be in the mix somewhere. Um, but I guess, yeah, we'll, 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 see, we'll see where he's at. Like you say, he needs to start hitting his wedge play, you know, his wedges closer and taking advantage of his, of, 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 his, uh, of, his, of his driving distance and his driving accuracy. Um, but I did see some adjustments in his putting last week, which I, which I enjoyed. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a good week for him. See, he's definitely my pick. Have I... Bided you enough time to uh, to make your pick, Sam. Your outright winner. I. Mm, I mean, it's a who's who. You, it's fucking you, hard. Yeah, it's a great field. You've given me enough time, whether uh, <laughs> whether or not. Yeah, enough, enough. I'm not sure. I get I get closer to. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna let my the wish be the father of the thought. I'm gonna go with Jordan Spieth. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that this is the week. He's been knocking on the door. His game is yeah. obviously there. He hasn't put all the pieces together yet. But maybe a big stage like the Players Championship, some fans back out there. You know, I, I really thought Sunday was gonna be the day he did it. I thought that those conditions kind of suited the type of game he likes to play well, where pars were gonna be good, where he didn't have to shoot a crazy low score. Uh, I thought that that was going to suit him, uh, you know, and, it, and it's been a good month, uh, you know, where week in and week out, he's shown a lot of form. And if the winning score doesn't turn out to be 14, 16 under or whatever, you know, I think Spieth makes a few too many mistakes. Uh, if, if the winning scores are reasonable, like six, eight, 10, 12 under, I think that those mistakes you can get past when the winning scores are 16, 18, 20 under, you make one double, like you know, it's it's it takes you three birdies just to get yourself back to where you know, like you would have been yeah. otherwise. So I think uh, I think the harder it plays, the more it's going to play into his hands. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pick with my heart this week. Yeah, you know, I, I, I actually really like that pick because I'm I'm just I'm I'm sort of tip uh, sort of um sort of tickling the golf sort of purist inside me, and I'm thinking that would be some way to establish yourself back into the winner's circle. Uh, it'll be a very John Spieth way to do it, right? Three or four years absence from the winner's circle shows a run of form in the California Florida swing to win at the players as we head into uh, as we head into Augusta. That would be that be some storyline. It would get everyone excited, and we need we need him in the back in the winner's circle and back at the top of the game. He was electric to watch last week. We didn't really speak much about him before, but he, he was he was electric to watch. That Saturday performance had everything. You had the hole in one. You had hole outs. You had you had you had his commentary. You, you had everything from him. Um, it was really fun, and his interactions with his caddy are particularly enjoyable to listen to. What what I used to find annoying about him, I actually really like. Um, I've really come to like that side of it. I love the commentators have actually learned to shut up. Radar Wayne Riley, he um, whenever he's commentating and John Spieth's taking the shot, he shuts the fuck up just in case we can get some gold from his interactions with his with his caddy. Yeah, and I think that's great. I mean, it was one of the things that that you liked about Phil Mickelson and Bones that you would get a you would get a really uh, detailed dissection of what the shot was all about, you know, and the decision making process. Yeah. And I think that's a fascinating window into the mind of somebody, you know, at that level that you don't normally get. So I do like, I do enjoy that aspect of his personality. Uh, 
you know, and I, I enjoy I enjoy what an open book he is. You know, he seems like as as honest and authentic a guy as there is, and and so it is nice to get that that sneak peek out of him. I also think that uh, TBC Sawgrass is a golf course that rewards a guy, you know, who can play around the greens, and I definitely think that Speed can do that. You know, it, it's uh, those green surrounds are complicated. Uh, you can get yourself into some really awkward and tricky spots where you need to use your imagination to get yourself out of it, hit different types of shots around the green. Uh, so I, I think that'll serve him in good stead. I don't think length is a crazy factor there. So I don't think he, you know, I don't think it's going to matter that much that he's giving up some yards to guys like Bryson. Uh, but I mean, the, the list of people who can win this tournament is long, it's you know, it, it, the, the field is stacked, the golf course, uh, you know, sets up in such a way that I don't know that it necessarily favors any one particular style over another. You look at the guys that have won there, it's a it's a it's a complete hodgepodge of different player types. So it's hard yeah. to say there's like one particular, you know, arc type that makes you successful there. Yeah. Another guy I wouldn't uh necessarily sleep on is you know, Tony Finau. Yeah. Uh, about you know, he's, he's been so good lately. Yeah, I mean, he obviously took last week off, so he might be quiet on. He might might have gone off people's radar a little bit, um, but don't don't forget what he's done the last month. Yeah, he's been great at times. And what, and what think, and again? What a great story! Final winning the Players Championship after after so many nearly near, near misses. Right, that would um, that would be some yeah. storyline. I, I feel like the, I feel like you know we've had a frustrating year given the circumstances. And I really feel like now there's some real. Uh, interesting in 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 sto- some st- in really interesting storylines amongst the players with some real depth right and that, 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 that there's a ton of players in that in that category so i think we're in a really gifted spot um i think i think golf and the pga tour is in a great spot at the moment with terms of the eyeballs on it and the amount of stories that i think can be written um so I, i'm really really fucking excited for this week's players i do I, I think it's gonna be like a defining moment in in got in the pga tour when we look back five ten years we will think about the players in 2020 and the players in 21 and how that impacted the, the careers of X, Y. I just think there's a lot of cool things that could happen this week and I'm, I'm, I'm really sort of excited to see that all unfold. Um, before we move into this week's pick, Sam, uh, how did you get on yes, in the fa- fantasy? What was, your, what was your performance like? I think week? I won one. Uh, let's take a look here. Yeah, a little understated win. I think I did bag something there. Which I, one was it? I came close in the parlays. I got, I got two. I, I won two convincingly on the uh, on Thursday and, and fucked up one. And I came fourth, I think, in the um, in the pick and pulls. Ah, uh, yeah, you did finish fourth in the twelve fifty. You didn't play in the other one. Uh, yeah, I did. I, I won one. I won the twelve fifty. And uh, who did I pick in that one? Deshambo. Nice. Dave. Hey, Jason Shane Day Lauer. had a good week. Jason Day had a good week on the sly. Poor Sunday, yeah, but was, good week. He was okay. Hoblin had kind of a disappointing week, but Sung Jay finished. Really, what made the difference was I had five guys that made the cut. And if you looked, I mean, I won by 22 because the guy in second had two guys that missed the cut to my one. The guy that finished third had two guys that missed the cut. You had two guys that missed the cut. I only had, I, I ducked. It was. I only had the one guy miss. That really is the biggest, especially in the pick in the pick and pulls in particular. That's the biggest difference. Is do you have the the, you know, how many guys do you, especially, you know, especially at a tournament like that one where the bad scores were going to be bad, like, like you six, know, seven, eight over. 
Yeah, like, I, I mean, let's take a look at what was the high score. Tyrrell Hutton shot six over first day. Victor Hovland shot a six over, I think. The score was plenty of well, the, first, the first two days, I mean, it doesn't matter really usually the first two days because, uh, like, no one's missed the cut yet. But if you had, like, a guy that withdrew after the first round, you would have gotten saddled with Robert Gomez's 92. Did you see that? No. Uh, Rob, so Robert Gomez is a past champion. Yeah, he hold it. He, he's the one who uh, hold it when Greg Norman was winning, right? He got the eagle yeah. and won. Yeah. Which, by the way, does it get more classic Greg Norman than that? Poor uh, guy. Sucker punched. Yeah. So anyway, he shot a 92, but refused to sign the scorecard. Uh, so got he ended up getting disqualified. That way, like, the score didn't go down in the record books. It was just kind of a Bush League move. But in any case, the weekend... I mean, the high score on Sunday was was eighty four from Jazz. Yeah, Judge, he had a, he had a hole in one that week as well. Yeah, it was a, a bit of an up and down week for him. So I mean, if you can duck, like you know, as much as getting the guys at the top of the leaderboard is important, and certainly like uh, you know, part part of why I won was a I had the fewest guys miss the cut, b I had the guy that won. You know, you combine those two things, it's a pretty good formula. But but a focus on cut making guys is probably more worth it than a focus on you know trying to trying to squeeze out extra juice from the orange of who's going to be the best player in this group for sure well let's um you're on a, you're on a run of form sam i've had a consistent level of form you won last week so maybe this week is a week where where our picks are going to be warranted and people should actually listen listen to us why don't you why don't you take us away with the pick and pull sam we'll, we'll do the parlays and um yeah let, 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 let's get into it Group Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley. This group is harder than it's been. In the past few weeks, it was like, just pick DJ and move on, you know? But I think now he started to kind of fall off a little bit. Uh, you know, and as he's fallen off, you've seen some strong play from Rory. Bryson seems to, you know, obviously having just one you know, is making himself more of a threat. Bryson had been down there in Group B for the last couple of weeks because he hadn't been playing that great. I think he was in Group B last week. Uh, actually, no, because of the field, he was in Group A. But the previous week at, at uh, the WGC, I think he was in Group B. You know, I'm, I, I keep saying, like, I don't really know where Bryson's game fits or doesn't fit. It seems like it fits everywhere, I guess. But, like, I would think that TBC Sawgrass is not a great golf course for his style of play. I would think that missing fairways would cost you there. I would think that length does not help you as much as it would at other golf courses there. Uh, Matt Kuchar's won there, Sam, so, you know. Right. You know, <laughs> Siwoo Kim, like, Kim doesn't hit the ball far at Ricky all. Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't... Instinctively, I think that, like, coming off a win on a golf course like this, like, I don't really want to take... I, Bryson seems like the kind of guy who's like a, a threat for the big number a lot of the time. And, and TBC Sawgrass is a golf course where you will make a big number. And so I don't know if I like him. I'm, I'm going with you. I'm going with Rory out of this group. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go Rory as well. Just to, I guess, guess, guess to, to, to cut straight to it. But um, I do think as well for, for everyone listening, um, Rory's a cut making machine. So that's number one. 
Okay, so that, 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 that's something to that, that's definitely something to, to base that decision off. But also, I think as well, people are emotional pickers, and I think everyone's going to be I think everyone's going to be rabbit in headlights with with Bryson DeChambeau's performance, and rightly so, right? Why wouldn't they pick a guy who just overpowered a golf course and and, and actually really impressive win under under you know competitive environment, high winds, tough, <laughs> com- experienced winner like Lee Westwood. Um, very good win so well within the right to pick him but I'm also going to go for the fact that it's going to be low ownership and if Bryson has a bit of an off week it's not like he's shown a lot of form before last week if he does have a bit of an off week and we, we're left with Rory Rory makes a cut Bryson doesn't then all of a sudden we're in, in a real sort of advantage position Xander Schofield hasn't shown me much recently he's gone a bit cold uh, Justin Thomas showed, uh, show, showed signs that WGC had a good weekend um so he could be a good sneaky pit, low, low ownership pick. But Rory McIlroy gets my pick. He's my pick for the week. I'm going to stay strong to him. I'm, I really think this could be a, could be an excellent sto- story for him, um, and, and a particularly good event for him to win, as it would anyone, I guess. But you, we all know how much I like that Rory story and um, how much I want him back at the top of the game. So Rory's my Group A pick. Not a bad one. Group B: Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, Webb Simpson, Hideki Matsuyama, Colin Morikawa, Adam Scott. Oh, the, see, for, for me, this is a more difficult group to pick. Yeah, I'm going Morikawa. I think I think Precision Iron Play takes you a, a good ways here, and I could see the way that that guy hits his irons. You know making life around sawgrass a lot more stress-free for him than it might be for some others uh i mean historically too it seems like when he gets hot he stays hot for a little bit you know he obviously had such a good summer winning three times or whatever it was he kind of had a lull after that and it and then just bagged that win a couple weeks ago yeah i don't i don't see any reason i i think there are a lot of similarities in concession here in terms of kind of the bowl effect of some of the greens that there are contours at Sawgrass where if your dispersion on your iron play is inside a certain group, you're going to have slopes that will help collect your ball towards the flag. If it's outside of that area, yeah. those same slopes will repel the ball away from the flag. I think that dynamic exists here also, and I think it's part of what made Morikawa a good pick at concession. I think it's what will make him a good pick here. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a clearly a good pick, and I think probably the most going to be the most popular one, but I'm, I'm going to go for a guy who's won round here before, um, and that's Webb Simpson. Um, you look at a guy who can shape the ball. We, we talk about good iron play, and I think being particularly important with the green complexes here, uh, Webb Simpson is an underrated iron player because he's got the prettiest swing. It's extremely functional, and he works the ball both ways effortlessly. He's won here before. Um, I, I think he's extremely comfortable around that golf course. 20 under's not going to win it this week. Again, brings Webb Simpson back into play. So you look at other people in the group like Tony Fina, who I think is probably more likely to win it based off how electric their performances have been over the past month. But I'm going to go for cut-making guys who I think are going to feature in the top 20 um, on, on Sunday. And that, for me, is Webb Simpson. I, I don't see any reason why it won't be up there on Sunday and definitely don't see him missing the cut. Yeah, I don't, I, especially to that last point, I totally agree with you. I think... Uh... You it's hard to visualize him having a truly bad week. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of guys. And Matsuyama, lest we forget, I think was leading this thing when it got canceled last year, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was, you're right, yeah. Uh, Good memory. You know, and he can be a guy who, who can be an exceptional iron player. So, uh, you know, he's another guy not to sleep on there. Can't lay if the golf course plays hard. Seems like the kind of guy who would have success there. 
I mean, if you look, I'm looking at the forecast now. No rain, like almost at all, uh, and like wind in the double digits all week. So nice. you would have to think, with with a lot of sun and a lot of breeze on it, a lot of days that look a lot like what we saw on Sunday at Bay Hill. Uh, I would expect the golf course to play hard, but you never know. Like it's early in the season there. Sometimes I, I, I've been surprised. By that. So you, there are low scores out there as well at Sawgrass. Yeah, especially if it's not firm. So I don't know. It, it's tough to tough to it's say. Tough to call the weather, right? But yeah, yeah. Group C. Patrick, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, Jordan Spieth, Tommy Fleetwood, Paul Casey, Patrick Reed. Fuck, it's stacked. That is stacked. Yeah. This, this group is. Uh, this is a fucking hard group because you you look at all these players, right? Let's take uh, let, let's take it apart a little bit. Matt Fitzpatrick having a very good month. He's really coming into his own the PJ Tour. He's there week in, week out at the moment, just not putting it together on Saturday and Sunday, okay? Victor Hovland, apart from the two days this week, apart from the weekend this week, he's been outstanding. Tommy Fleetwood started the day in the mixer, uh, faded away, but again, he's obviously in there. John Spieth, we, we've talked about how good he's been. Uh, Paul Casey, coming off the win in Dubai. He actually loves it when golf courses fire up and get firm, fast and hard. He's traditionally done well in those types of courses and conditions. And you've got Patrick Reed, who short games have made him a bit of late, but don't forget, it wasn't that long ago he won the Farmers. So that, that group for me is, is fucking confusing. Going off form, you can't pick Patrick Reed. And you've got to, kind of, you've got to look at Spieth or Fitzpatrick for me. Um, you know, Fleetwood, he's, yes, he's, he, I don't think he'll miss the cup, but... Uh, if you look at sort of consistency didn't performance, play too bad last week either. Sorry, uh, Fleetwood didn't play too bad last no, week. No, he, he was. He was I think he was. Eight, I think he was eight under on the in the final going at the final round. So he was. He was there thereabouts. Made some impressive par putts early on to keep him in it, but faded away. Um, but there's there's other guys in that group who have had better levels of performance for longer periods of time. So I think out of that group, Fitzpatrick, Spieth, and Hovland are your three. Hovland had a poor weekend. Does that factor into his confidence this week? I don't think so. He's too young, fiery, and, and happy-go-lucky to let, let that affect him. Uh, but Spieth, for me, gets the pick. Like I said, I really would enjoy that story of him coming through to win the players. So I'm going to let my heart ride that pick, but I think there's a good case for for five out of six of these players, actually. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, if you look at the the styles of play in, the, in this group, it's a lot of good iron players, good short game guys. You know, like, Fitz is a little bit of both. Hovland's more a good iron player than he is a good short game guy. Speed's a little bit of both. Fleetwood's more of a good iron player than he is a short game guy. Same with Casey. Reed maybe a little bit more so the other way. But all six of these guys are kind of in the mold of what you would think would make you successful around this golf course. I mean, if, if my pick to win is Speed, I'm going with Speed. Yeah. But it's a stacked group. I mean, stacked. You know, and the tough thing about and the tough thing about sawgrass is that because of the danger that lurks around so many of the holes, it's not like you don't have to play that poorly to miss the cut. You can have you can have thirty bad minutes, and that's enough. You know, for sure. You you have you know maybe one hole on on Thursday and one hole on Friday. You know where you make a double or a triple or some kind of whatever, and and bang, you're out of it. You know, so I think. Uh, it's it's going to be a week where I think there there will be some surprises in terms of you know who the golf course catches, but uh, I, I I just love where Spieth's game's at. I, I like where his head's at. He's trending the right direction. You got to feel like he's getting things together before Augusta. The only thing's missing you know right now is can he get back to the winner's circle? You know, and I think if he just keeps putting himself there, eventually he will. Group D. 
Max Homa, Maverick McNeely, Daniel Berger, Doc Redman, Patrick Rogers, Scotty Scheffler. Well, there's some miss, there's some miss cuts in this one. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, guys, I, I, I would kind of put a line through Patrick Rogers. I would put a line through Doc Redman. Those guys have some promise, but they haven't really made good on it just yet. Maverick McNeely and Scotty Scheffler are kind of like similar to those two guys, but a step forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like Maverick McNeely and Scotty Scheffler take a step forward from there. Then you have Homa and Berger. To me, the pick comes between Homa and Berger. And I think Homa's just showed more form lately, so I'm going to go with him. You're right. You're right in that. But, um, but you know, Berger hasn't been that bad of late. He came back in the four a few weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not liking how similar our picks have become. So out of pure spite, I'm going to pick Daniel Berger. Although Homer probably makes the most sense at this point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Berger. And you look at, I was going to say ability to win. I mean, that, that's a shit point because obviously Homer just went and got done a Genesis. So I, I can't say that anymore. And he, he's, he's, he's become a much better player of late. But um, yeah, out, out of pure spite and com- competitiveness, I'm going to go Daniel Berger. I also think that uh, this group, it, the winner ain't coming from this group. And I think if you look at at all six of the groups, maybe only group F is likely to have more missed cuts than this group. So I think I don't think Burger's such a bad guy. He's probably less likely to miss the cut than Homa is, which which I think maybe makes him a better pick. But it's easy to say now once I hear you make it, right? <laughs> group E. I'm, I'm going to pick first as the next group so you can – so, so, so I get the choice because uh, okay. I, I want the emotional advantage on this on this hole. Um, Tyrrell Hatton, Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Francesco Molnari, Ian Poulter, Justin Rose. Francesco Molnari had a completely off week. If you if you watch his performance on Thursday, he was he was shite. Um, Justin Rose withdrew early in the final round, back injury. Um, then you look at Sergio Garcia, who has got sublime. Um, sublime ball striker, but he's, he's, he's got some, uh, the skeletons in his closet predominantly belong at Sawgrass, if you remember a few years ago, I think when, was it when Tiger won, when he, when he hit maybe th- he hit three balls in the water on 17 um, and then you've got Tyrrell Hatton right. who had a terrible Thursday but came into his own and actually did very well to get back up the leaderboard um, and you've obviously got Lee Westwood who who contended and looked brilliant. And you, what you also forget about Lee Westwood is he lived in he lived in Florida for, for, the, for the longest time. He lived there for like 10, 15 years. Um, so, of course, he's familiar with the Florida swing and Floridian courses. Um, and you've got to, you've got to, you actually got to like a player from the British Isles for this event with the winds. Um, these guys are, are brought up yeah. playing, playing windy golf courses, firm golf courses. So don't be surprised to see Ian Portler do well here this week. Don't be surprised to see Sergio and, and Hatton doing well. Rose, I'm not sure if he's going to actually get the start. Depends on that injury. And Molnari had a bit of an off week. But I'm going to go Lee Westwood. You know, you're contending at the highest level in difficult circumstances last week. And I can't see that evading him the very next week with a player of his stature. He's played actually very consistently over the last sort of over the last year, really, Lee Westwood has. He's, he's, he's having a good good time of it. I think he's definitely going to make it in the Ryder Cup. Um, I, I expect it to see him, a, yeah, to see him at least have a made cut week this week. Yeah, you know it's funny. Uh, it's a it's a pretty amazing compliment to Lee West. I, I'm with you. I'm taking Lee Westwood in this group too. It's a pretty amazing compliment to Lee Westwood to be the pick in this group. Terrell Hatton is like one of the top five players in the world. Yeah, he's right world now. number five. He's he's world class. He, yeah, he, yeah. You know, and, and Westwood is to me like 
it, it doesn't even feel like a crazy pick to take him over Hatton. Are you not? Uh, are you not completely stoked and excited as a as a purist golf fan who who've, who 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 as as a, as a fan of the PJ Tour and of, of world golf? You've you've you you know coming up watching golf. You saw how many majors Lee Westwood contended in. You watch all those old Tiger major videos. Lee Westwood's nearly in all the fucking final groups or final three, four, five groups. He's been there so many occasions. He knocked Tiger Woods off the world number one spot in 2010. People sleep on Lee Westwood, but he's a, he's a world-class player with a world-class career who lacks a major. And it's so exciting to see him play some of the best golf he's ever played and really using his head and plotting his way around the course like a steely veteran. Um, and I'd love to see him get another high-profile win. He's our generation's Colin Montgomery. You know? Oh, no. Don't, 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 tar- don't, do, don't you dare tarnish him with that brush. That's, a, that, that's an insult. That's an insult to the man. Well, it's Come a on. He's better than no, he's had a better career than Colin. He's, he's got over four. I think he's got forty-five wins. Yes, he's the nearly guy with the, with the majors, but you know, I, I just I don't really like Colin Montgomery to be I honest. Colin Montgomery <laughs> winning like seven consecutive orders of merit on the European tour. Yeah, that's I fair. wouldn't be surprised if you go and look at worldwide wins. I wouldn't be surprised if Colin Montgomery was neck and neck with Lee Westwood. You don't get to win six or seven orders of merit without winning some some European tour event. You are you you you're completely substantiating your choice. You obviously made plenty of Ryder Cups. Um, fucking stud in those. I don't think Monty ever lost wow. in singles. Monty's won thirty one European tour events. Yeah, and and I don't think. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm like ninety five percent sure that Con Montgomery's never lost a singles match in the Ryder Cup. If he's lost one, it's like one of 10 or something like that. You're absolutely right. Although, although Lee Westwood's got 47 worldwide wins, uh, he's got 25 European tour wins against Colin Montgomery's uh, 31. Fair fucks to you, Sam. Um, well, if, uh, what other wins? <laughs> like, like, cause I remember they were saying that Lee Westwood only has like three PGA tour wins, right? Well, well he's definitely won in the forties. Um, 140 something times. I'm wondering, like, what those other wins are. Yeah. I'm not, you, you got me question. We need to find this out while we're on here. Because if, if 25 of them are European tour events. He's got 44 professional wins. He's got two on uh, the, P, he's got two on the PGA tour. He's got 20, two on the PGA, 25 on the, 25 on the European. He's got four, four on the Japan tour. He's got eight on the Asian tour. He's got three on the Sunshine Tour. He's got one on the Australia, Australasian Tour and three others. So he's, he's a world... I guess he's, he's, he's a very decorated winner, right? He's won all around the world. Um, but actually only 27 have come on the uh, come on the two major stages. Yeah. Only 27. <laughs> I don't... Th- yeah, I don't think... I don't think that those two careers are that dissimilar, you know? And I think... Uh... I think, and, and and like with Monty, like in 06 at that Wingfoot US Open, like I would love to see Monty make good, you know, I, like I wanted him to win that tournament, you know, for, for all those years of heartbreak and almosts and everything else, you know, I, I, I would love to see Westwood get that, get, if not a major, a big win, you know, one big PGA Tour win like this, you know, I would love to see it, uh, I also I think it's cool that he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team. You don't see a lot of guys in their late forties that are on those teams. Yeah, I think like the only, I mean like I think the only guy that, at least in like the modern like 
era of the like the Europe, not Great Britain and Ireland era of the Ryder Cup. I think Ray Floyd's the only guy in his fifties that I know of that's played the Ryder Cup. You know, so it's cool that he's going to be back there. For sure, you know, and I can't. He won't be, but uh, I would yeah, love and, to see and him further. Oh. And actually, I want to make a comment. Like I um, I probably didn't appreciate this enough because I I joined Close House for as a member between eighteen and nineteen for a year which is Lee Westwood's affiliated golf course. I remember, I've, I've seen him I've seen him there quite a few times. I watched him drive the golf ball practicing on his own for, for, for ages. I never quite grasped just how lucky I was to witness that because I didn't really see Lee Westwood resurgence at that point. Amazing career, like, of course, well-decorated at that point, absolutely. But, um, you know, to see him come back into the four is amazing uh so shout out to close house amazing golf facility if you if you're in the northeast of england that part of the world close house is a, a very good place to go and play some to play some good golf yeah it's uh i respect i respect his game i respect what he's doing right now i love i love seeing the old guy still hanging around still still making noise you know i love that storyline i loved it with freddie couples you know, I, I'm still rooting for it with Phil. I love seeing it with Westwood. I liked it with VJ. You know, I, I, I think it's just part of what makes golf such a great game. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, that, that that guy at 47 or whatever, there's no other sport where, like, you know, there's some who might argue this is a knock on golf, but, like, there's not a there's, there's no other – you're not going to see a 47-year-old Michael Jordan, you well, know. Tom Brady, Tom Brady might be 47 and win another Super Bowl, but maybe that, he's <laughs> great. Yeah, he's gaining on it. I mean, that that in particular is amazing. What is he, 42? 42 and he's winning the Super Bowls. <laughs> he's fucking stupid. Pretty good. And Dwayne, Dwayne Wade comes to mind, but you're right. They're, they're, they're few and far between, right? And um, I think, was, was, was it the Honda? Was the Honda two years ago, VJ nearly won? Yeah, that was. See, that the, the Forest Swing, the Forest Swing does produce events that the veterans can win when it gets firm and windy yeah i think that's absolutely true and that speaks to kind of what those conditions like the the skill sets that become valuable in those conditions you know that that all of a sudden now like what's between your ears and kind of your like judgment and decision making and ability to manage yourself and the ball around a golf course like those become much more important factors as opposed to like no wind, soft greens, bomb and gouge. Try to make everything you can. You know, I, I, I definitely prefer the style of golf that brings out those kind of guys. So, Group F, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Gary Woodland, Matt Kuchar, Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson. Fucking tough, Sam. This is like a each one of these picks is like a like a it's, it's like a ticking time bomb. Like they could all win. <laughs> I would like if the, if any of those guys won, it wouldn't look. I wouldn't be that surprised, but it wouldn't surprise me if they all missed the cut as well. <laughs> That's what I liked about this group is this group was kind of like your wild cards slump group. You know, like Bubba Watson easily could miss the cut there. Phil Mickelson, I will bet my life is going to miss the cut there. <laughs> Matt Kuchar, probably not. You know, he hasn't had a good week in a while. Probably not destined to have one now. Gary Woodland, it's been a while. He's been beyond quiet. I mean, has he, has he even sniffed the leaderboard since that U.S. Open? No. And you know, the, the only thing is with Gary Woodland as well is, you know, he, he was having a very good, uh, he was having some, putting in some excellent performances heading into the U.S. Open. He had a prolonged period of playing good golf. I remember he was in the he was in Tigers group for the PJ Championship at Belle Reve. Um, you know, yeah. right, com compared to his form leading up and including the U.S. Open 2019, he's not really done much. 
some guys, some guys get to the top of the mountain and that feeling is so amazing that they can't wait to get their hands on it again. Other guys get to the top of the mountain and they can't wait to put their feet up at base camp, you know? And so I think, uh, you know, I, I just haven't seen a ton of a ton of motivation or, or anything out of Woodland. Fowler, I think, is just playing under too much pressure right now. You know, like, I think he kind of feels like every week, like his fucking career is on the line, which in some ways it is. Like, I mean, this guy's heading down the road towards missing the Masters for the first time in 10 years. Like, that's a fucking gut punch, you know? Like, that place is so cool, and playing that event, that experience is so cool. When it becomes a regular part of your routine... To have it taken away from you, I'm. I, I know it would. It would be something that would weigh heavily on my mind. You know. Yeah. For sure. And would be would be difficult for me to face if that, if that started coming down the pike. You know, and, and some guys are built to rise to that kind of pressure. Other guys aren't. You know, I'm not sure that Ricky Fowler is. He certainly hasn't shown that much of a. You know, there's been nothing to, to, to feel good about in his game. Yeah, he's just a, pre- he's a previous winner of this event. So, you know, if, if, if familiarity is a factor, I guess you could factor that in. But, um, you know, yeah. there's, there's just no part of his game that looks particularly good at the moment, which is the worrying thing, I guess. And also changing swing coaches. You know, when he when he starts on the tee, just, I think there's, there's, there's a lack of confidence in his in his boy language and just the way he's playing at the moment. He's in, he's in a difficult spot. And, um I hope, I hope he works out. But I think every golfer, every single golfer that's ever existed has gone through and goes through slumps in, in form. Uh, I just hope it's, it, again, you know, I don't want to get to the Hunter Mahon, Mahon levels where, you know, they really do reach the heights for a sustained period and then they just never get back. Or look at Henrik Stenson, felt the 250th in the world and made his way back and won the, won the Open. Like, you know, Paul Casey felt the face of the earth for years, comes back. Um, so it, it's not uncommon in a player's in a player's in a player's career, especially at the age Ricky's that way. He's already been an established tour player for ten plus years. Um, he's got all the money he'll ever need. He's obviously got his, you know, he's, he's married, etc. He's got a family life starting. Um, it's hard to sustain those top levels, especially when you've got so many talented guys coming through the ranks. So yes, everyone's talking about Ricky Fowler's poor form and missing the Masters, but you know, in the context of a golfing career, it's to be expected. And I, you know, I, I just hope he can. Um, you know, Nick Faldo took the piss on Twitter last week saying, uh, good job, Ricky, missed you'll be happy you missed the cut last week because he's, he's, Ooh, I'll give him another six, there'll be another t- time to shoot another six commercials or something. And, you know, it's hard, it as hard it as it was. Yeah. Yeah, it as harsh as it was. And you know what it is? Like, Nick Faldo's a, a, an absolute legend of the game, but, you know, I can't get away with a lot of what he says. He, he, he is a bit annoying and his jokes are a bit shit. But um, I, 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 did, I did like that one because... Although it's annoying that I came from Nick Faldo and it was a bit harsh, a bit below the belt, he's not entirely untrue. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I'm done giving analysts a hard time. Really? For really? Just, really? You said really? Just, no, no, no. no. <laughs> for just, but let me finish. For just saying what they think, even though it might be unpleasant. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think one one critique I, I've always had, and one of the things that, like, people hated about Johnny Miller or whatever, like, you know, that way too often there's a little too much like you know of a of a photoshopping of the reputations of these guys you know that's going on on that telecast you know you don't hear a lot of a lot of guys you know who who are cutting to the truth of the matter you know without necessarily a regard for the player's feelings 
you know, and so I liked I liked seeing Fal- that, that's an honest statement from Faldo, you know, and, and a pretty good point that like, you know, Ricky, the commercial, you know, it's kind of like Anna Kornikova, that like the commercial appeal has exceeded the golf course success by a pretty wide margin for most of his career, you know, and, and so, you know, to, to it, it's not a, a, a it's not a cheap shot at him, you know, to say that like, hey, look you know, this focus on your, on your commercial prospects has come at the cost of your golf game. Like, is that, is that a crazy thesis to have? I don't no. think that it is. You no. know, and with kind of a snide remark. Yeah, it was kind of a snide remark, you know, but I don't, I'll, I'll take more of those, not less from, from the guys on TV, you know, like I forget who it was, but he was talking about, uh, I think it was Zinger yesterday. And he was talking about, uh, I want to say it was McElroy, but it could have been somebody else. He was talking about, he was tr- he was bending over backwards. He was trying to say that the guy, when the pressure was on, was not living up to it. And he just kept repeating, I don't want to say he's choking. I don't want to say he's choking. And it's like, well, just go say ahead it. and fucking say it. Yeah, yeah like, it's your job. If he's choking, he's choking, you know? Like, th- th- there are guys, plenty of them out there on the PGA Tour, they fucking choke, you know, and there are guys that that pressure finds their weakest point and there are guys that crack and like it's not it's not it doesn't make you an ass. If you're a commentator, no more so than saying a stock is a dog, you know, like if you're an analyst on the on the PGA Tour to say that a player his you know, your your evaluation of his performance under pressure is poor. Like you can't be afraid to say that. You have to be willing to to call that like it is, you know. Even if it doesn't win you the affection of these people. Yeah, you, you can't. Is 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 it like is a, a pundit? You can't just spend your whole time sitting on the fence. There's a difference between being calculated and and well substantiated with what you've got to say, um, and and just being fucking boring. You're an analyst, a commentator. People listen because they want your opinions. They want an entertaining opinion. The player shouldn't take anything personally from any of the comments the commentators make in the studio because it's their job to commentate on what they're doing at that time and call it how they see it is by no way a, um, a reflection of their character, so to speak, or if they like them as a person. And I think you're right. I think a lot of commentators are still sort of in awe of the celebrity of being involved in those ranks. And, you know, if they, if they, if they call out Brooks or they shit on Dustin Johnson or make a poor comment about Roy McIlroy and then see these guys three, four hours later, they they almost feel awkward about it, right? And they, I, I don't know. It's almost like they're trying to protect their relationship when they see these guys week in, week out. But the, the, it should be kept separate. Like, that's it. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's... Uh, it's. I, I get that that's a sticky wicket. You know, that that's a, a hard... Nice, nice English cricket reference. Nice. <laughs> Thank you very much. I know. Actually, now that I think about it, I, I, I know how to use that phrase, but I don't really know where it comes from. A sticky what wicket. is a, sticky so a, 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 a cricket pitch is otherwise known a wicket. It's the it's the wicket that you play on, right? The the ground which you play on, and it just means that it's there's quite a lot of grass in the wicket, which means the ball doesn't I, bounce as much. It stays low, so it's a bit of a sticky wicket. I, so you're a bit of a uh, it puts the batsman in a tough situation because they can't read or predict the how the ball's going to bounce. I gotcha. Essentially, this is such an American view of cricket, <laughs> but where I where I play hockey i play uh hockey at this like roller hockey at this outdoor rink that's at like a park near my house and every saturday morning when i go out and play on the baseball field that's next to it 
there are people playing cricket, and I no, always think in to LA. myself, mm-hmm. expat surely. And I always think uh, it looks like a lot of Indian guys. Oh, fair play, yeah. And uh, and I always think to myself that cricket looks like it looks, and I know cricket came first, which is what makes this a very American attitude. But it always looks to me like cricket is like someone explained baseball to someone who's not a native English speaker. And they fucked up some of the details, <laughs> you know. Yeah, this like yeah, it looks yeah. like it looks a lot like baseball. Like they got bats, they're pitching. Fielders they, they set up the same, you know. But then I'm like, why are they bouncing it? Like, what is that stick? Why does the bat have that weird flat thing? You know. The the the, the thing that the, the 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 piece the piece of sort of analysis I like from Ameri- from Americans is the sort of uh, generalism on cricket is how the fuck can a sporting event go on for five days and there be no winner. <laughs> yeah which is well it, which is which is cool but you can also it's almost like a it's almost like a novel comparing a novel to a comic book right like there's beauty in a right. long form story as well the the, the individual oh, battles and the duels and the and the undulations and the you know and the and the wicket changes like like golf the conditions change over the course of the days and the weather's got a big part to play should I bat? it's very strategic um, very strategic game. You, you'd, you'd probably be into it. There's, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot of similarities to draw between your enjoyment that I've noticed of golf and, and cricket. You seem to enjoy the analytical side of golf, right? The, the yeah. weather, the conditions, the, the, the pressure, like which way the fairways are going, the, the angles, the greens. The, like you enjoy all the aspect of golf and putting that all together. Um, and cricket's very, much of the same. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll have to check it out. Uh, check it out. You know, I think, uh, how did we get on this subject? Fuck where this. did we? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, we, 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 we... we're still in the groups. Let's finish off group half. <laughs> Jason, Jason Day is my pick because he's the only yeah, guy I who's did. shown any, any, any little bit of form. Let's, uh, let's head over to the parlays before we continue talking about cricket to Amer- American listeners. <laughs> All right, let's pull it up. <laughs> let, let, there's a lot of good parlays here, Sam, but let's go with the first one because the first pit, the first parlay is already mouth-watering in Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, this one, the odds were hard to set because Dustin Johnson, I mean, if you asked me two weeks ago, to me, he would have been a pretty overwhelming favorite uh, in a heads-up matchup against Bryson DeChambeau. But right now, we have him at minus 125, Bryson DeChambeau minus 105. That's pretty close. I mean, if you're translating that into, like, percentage odds – that's pretty close to like 52-48, 53-47 maybe. You know, somewhere in that neck of the woods, it's it's a slim gap. Uh, Dustin Johnson didn't did, has not played well the last, like starting from that Sunday at Riviera to his last, like I don't think he played particularly well at concession and he didn't play last week, right? Yeah, yeah I think he had a pair of 78s at concession and he... He didn't put very well at all at uh, in Saudi, even though he won in Saudi Arabia. He didn't put very well, and he um, he was missing everything left it at the Genesis. So yeah, I, I I think there's some potential flaws opened up in DJ's game. Although you look at his last ten results and the mouth watering, and he could quite clearly still go out and win. You know, I don't want to ship him too much given it, given the run of form he's had. He's number one player in the world for a reason. But you're right if you're looking at immediate form of over the last three weeks. There's certainly some holes appearing in, in DJ's game. Maybe he's gone away and fixed them, maybe not. But, I mean, like, it's, it's hard not to pick Bryson when he had such a consistently good week last week, and he's been putting the ball I agree. Well. And as fucking ugly as it is, DeChambeau seemingly can putt. I can't believe it. 
Yeah. When you watch he, it, he can't you really can't put. believe Right, but he can putt, you know, like, I, and, and he deserves a lot of credit for that because, like, I for sure early, you know, as recently as, like, a year or two ago, my buddies and I, like, wouldn't bet on him because he couldn't putt. And we got so sick of watching him not putt. Now, he, you know, like, it, it, I can't think of a, of a makeable putt that, like, of a, of a putt you would expect him to make that he missed. And I can think of a number you didn't expect him to make that went in, too. You know, so I think at the end of the day, if you're on the fence between two guys and the odds difference isn't crazy, just take the better putter. Absolutely. Voice over on. No, hold on. Voice over on. Um, Let's go. So, yeah. are you going? Are you going Bryson or DJ? Uh, yes, I'm going to go with Bryson over DJ. Okay. Next, we've got Roy McIlroy, John Rahm. Um, I'm going to go straight away. Roy McIlroy gets my pick. He's my pick for the week. John Rahm, although he's been playing good golf, I just, I don't know. I, I think I think Roy knows he, a good start this week is is particularly important. Um, and I just find he, he's in a little bit better form, but again, it's another tight one. Yeah. I- John Rom, like I, I don't know. The guy seems to do what he does, like under the radar for me. Like he, like I can't think of the last time he won. Though I'm sure if you told me when it was, I would be surprised. Uh, like he did, he win. Is he won on the European Tour this year? It's it, 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 I fucking don't know. We we I watch that much golf. There is more recently than I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? When did he last? He last win. He last win. A last one. Let's have a look here. Let's have a look here. Uh, he won the BMW. He won the BMW Championship at Olympia in last August. That was the end of summer, yeah. And he also won the Memorial so last was- year. Right, 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 yeah. And now that took him to number one in the world. Yeah, things have been kind of quiet for him since then. But still, is he still, I'm is picking, he still, still world number two, I think. Yeah, I'm picking Rory. He's shown more form lately. He's won at this golf course. Uh, John Rum's very good, so, like, Rory's price is pretty good, too. And I just think, like, if you can get Rory minus 125 against anybody, just fucking take it. Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas. You know, this is a hard one. Because I don't these these odds are reflective of a downtick in Justin Thomas's game. But, I think Thomas would probably. But say um, it again. Yeah, but Justin Thomas had a very good weekend at the con, at concession. I, I kind of feel like he's at, yeah, he was out that little. That's out, a good like, point. He lost his. He had a rough. He had a rough time off the course. That obviously impacted his his, his attitude and how he's performing on the course. He seemed to get over. He, he seemed to get over a bump his last outing. Um, and you know, Xander Schauffele is not like a crazy opener either. He's like a he's good for a two, three under par sold opening round of golf, as we know Xander Schauffele to be. But uh, Justin Thomas for me is more capable of a 67, 66 on the first day of, of the event. And at those odds, given the given his downturn in performance, I think gives him the edge for me. You're getting him at a good price, you know. Sure. I think that's I, I would I would go with that. So in, in my three picks here would be DeChambeau, Rory, and Justin Thomas. I think that's a solid group. Uh, Listen to you know, this. I do want, oh, sorry, go on. Go ahead. I was going to say, I do want to mention to our listeners that uh, I think Masters Week, the parlays game is going to get juiced up a little bit. I'm still working on the details Oof. there. But we're trying to come up with 
uh, we're working with another company to try to come up with a big prize for anyone who can get a certain number of parlays correct. So kind of like, uh, oh, okay. you know, basically like if you can over the course of four days get three or four or five correct parlays, there's going to be a big prize available to the person who can uh, manage something like that. Exciting. Still working on Still working on the details there, but uh, but stay tuned. That's uh, it's going to be the biggest prize we've ever given away in the history of four legs. So I'm I'm excited to uh, to be able to roll that out. More details to follow. That's awesome. Um, and I'm actually going to go quite high stakes this week. Um, you know, I've I've really enjoyed the parlays. Um, I I got two out of three last week. I only I've only been playing on the Thursday just because my, the gambler inside me would rob all my points if I played it every day. Um, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to stake five thousand points. And it's returning thirty five thousand points. And for for listeners, that equates to I am taking a big hit, but that that thirty five thousand points equates to three hundred and fifty dollars, which equates to pretty much a Scotty Cameron, um, which is what you can use your points to fucking win on Falling's Fantasy. Um, get involved, people! It's a, it's a fucking ton of fun. Um, Sam, thank you once again for your time, buddy. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, can you just stay on the line as well? I want to run something past you very, very briefly. Um, Absolutely. That's it. that's it for this week, gents, uh, people. Uh, we've got another few uh, really, really good guests lined up. I'm speaking to a few um, players of smaller tours, um, sort of rising stars. Uh, I want to start that sort of as, as a category on this podcast. Um, so stay tuned for that. But other than that, guys, have a good week and enjoy the fuck out of one of the best weeks on tour.